Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello, and welcome to episode 61, Falling in Love with Your Family. Rachel Steinman is a writer, educator, and mental health advocate. She's also the host of the Dear Family podcast, where she celebrates our complicated families and inspirational people overcoming obstacles to find mental wellness. After discovering her beloved grandfather's incomplete manuscript 24 years after he jumped from his Beverly Hills high-rise, Rachel set out to cut the intergenerational trauma she was desperate not to pass on to her precious daughters. Shame from dark family secrets, from her family's substance abuse, homelessness, and intermarital affairs were replaced with love and compassion. Her family's five generations of mental illness from bipolar, depression, anxiety, PTSD, and ADHD that led to four suicides no one ever discussed was replaced with compassion and advocacy. In today's episode, Rachel and I talk about family and the power of love to heal. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest, Rachel. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So I always start out the podcast talking about love, of course, and what your love story is. And essentially, when did you fall in love with your life, your work, and how, how did love play a part into who you are today? It's such a big question. I think I'm going to just start at the beginning. And that is that I grew up always feeling loved. Um, but I did have parents that were growing up in the seventies and eighties, somewhat wrapped up in their own lives. My mom has bipolar, but she was not diagnosed and, um, her family, had a lot of mental health issues, which I will tell you a little bit about in a minute, but basically there were a lot of, um, poor choices made and it ended up, they got divorced and I was kind of following in my mom's shoes and spiraling downward because it was my role model. And, um, had boyfriends that I think were fun at the time, but I realized I was, I was becoming codependent on them similar to my mom, but I always knew deep in my heart that I was so worthy and I deserved more. And some of that came from the influence of my grandparents who tried to show me a different way. And not until I was 25 years old and in a relationship for eight years. And I, at this point, I had my teaching credential and my master's from UCLA. I was supporting myself. Um, I had great group of friends, but something just did not feel right. And I listened to my heart and knew that it was time to leave this relationship that 
was a very hard one to walk away from because I was so enmeshed with his family. But I knew I I knew that there was more to love um, out there for me, and I I married the man of my dreams, who I absolutely adore. Now we're married twenty five years, so half my life later, and together we have created the family I would have always wanted. And I have two daughters. One is 19. She just went off to college. And I have a 15-year-old daughter who, or sorry, she's 16 years old and she just got her driver's license. And she is a, an artist. She's a vocalist and she's at a performing arts school. And we, and because I listened to my intuition and knew that I wanted more in my life, I didn't settle. And it was it came from a loving place in my, in my, I guess my being to understand that I could create this family that I always dreamed of. And now cut to, I do somewhat feel like the matriarch of the family. I have the the Thanksgiving. Everybody comes to me. My husband also grew up in a family with a lot of ex and divorces and stepkids similar to my own. And we've become I think kind of the glue that's kept everyone together. And, um, and that includes substance abuse issues. That includes homelessness that includes multiple divorces and, and a lot of mental health issues. So I would say my love story started with the realization that I knew I was worthy and that I, because I was so ready to give love and have this, beautiful life that it, I could attract it. And a lot of that came from, I guess there's a Jewish word called chutzpah and from the chutzpah that I knew that like, I deserve more, I'm going to walk away from this, which is good, but it's not, it's not my dream. It's not what I always imagined and, and found the courage. And so, yeah, so now I continue to have a love story and it very much revolves around family and I'm podcasting about family. I'm writing about family and I'm even writing a very personal memoir about family. And I don't know if you want me to go into that now or. I mean, you can, I just wanted to um, ask you a question because or comment on what you're speaking on, because I feel like family for so many people equals pain. And a lot of us work their whole lives to move away from family or feel stuck by their family or feel um, like they can't live their lives because of their family. Or, you know, there's so many, it's rare to meet someone that doesn't have family issues. I mean, when I do, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't even believe them. I'm like, that's impossible. There's so much in that, in that world and it, you've made your life's work to heal those fissures in family and the concept of family and how to have a loving family and what that means and what that looks like, which is a big deal because family is so painful for so many. And was it because of your, like, when did you make that decision? Did you just in your 20, when you felt like you were settling, you, you didn't want to settle. Was that when you were like, I'm going to focus on creating a loving family and bring that love and that message to the world? I 100% agree with you in that 
every family has issues and every family has shame and every family has secrets. I would say when I was 25 and ready to move on, I wasn't thinking as big picture as I do now. I was just thinking that I wanted to have a marriage that lasted. I wanted to have uh, kids that had some stability and um, and I wanted to be a parent down the road that was there and involved and 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 was able to go on a family vacation together and have fun together and all those things that like you know Oprah says like we we have dreams for our families right it's it's not just for ourselves it's it's sometimes bigger and whatever family means family means a lot of different things for a lot of different people but what i would say is my journey to kind of cut that generational trauma and forgiveness and all of those things that help get rid of the pain was, and and this is really kind of like my origin story of leaving from teaching because I taught kindergarten and first grade for many years um, and be, and to begin writing and podcasting was when I was uh, 16, I'll start, I'll, I'll go backwards a little bit. When I was 16, my mom's father, so my grandfather died by suicide. He jumped from a high rise on Wilshire and Beverly Glen. And for 24 years, I wondered how, how could a man do something like that? And at this point, my mom was not diagnosed bipolar, but my grandfather he had money in the bank. He had his physical health to still golf and play tennis. He had family that loved him. So I, I couldn't understand this. Another side to this is that my mom's mom, so this was my grandfather's first wife, she also died by suicide. So it, that means my mom's parents both took their lives. And I was always worried about my mom. Um, she was diagnosed uh, depressed, but not bipolar. And what happens also, if you're taking depression meds and you're bipolar, it can make you more manic um, and you can make even more poor choices and, and it's very painful and continues that spiral of mania, depression, mania, depression. So not until 24 years after my grandfather died by suicide, did his third wife pass away. And that's when I was allowed to go back into the high rise. And I discovered my grandfather had begun to write a manuscript about his life. And at that point, I was 40 years old, so 10 years ago. And I really was questioning my relationship with my mom. I was ready to push her out of my life because she was just causing a lot of problems in my world and with my kids who are young. And, but of course I didn't want to push her out of my life and I knew she needed me. And I worried that I would put her into a mental health hospital or God forbid, push her, you know, literally or metaphorically over the edge. And so I started looking back into my grandfather's past and, um, started writing, continuing his story. And I realized I had a story to tell. And I have been working on a memoir, I would say for the past seven years, I've put it on the shelf for a while and come back to it because it's been, it's very painful and it's a real huge process. And it's bringing, it's, it's literally like unearthing ghosts. Mm -hmm. And just as you've talked about the pain 
it's, it's facing that pain, but then again, it's very healing because then you're letting it go. So that's how I started writing. I, I began writing essays and just putting them on medium and they struck a nerve with my own community on Facebook or whatever. And then it be, it, they be, began to be shared. And then I was asked to be on podcasts and I absolutely love this format as I know you do, because it's yeah. so intimate. It's so wonderful to get to know people and for people to get to know you on such a kind of one-on-one -on -one level. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know what, just as you said, every family has issues and almost every family has mental health issues. And one out of every four people will experience a mental health issue over their lifetime. I swear, I think during the pandemic, it was probably one in every three or maybe one in every two. Or everyone. And, right. Or everyone. Exactly. We're all going to probably come out of this with post-traumatic stress disorder somehow mm -hmm. or anxiety. Right. So I just... It, I realized when I opened myself up to others, they began opening themselves up to me. Yeah. And it was a way really for me to understand my mom, cut the generational trauma so I wouldn't pass this on to my daughters and make it a safe place for them to talk about mental health and get rid of that shame. No one talked about suicide when my mom was young. How, how much how things could have been different if people talked about hormones, depression, kids going off to college, whatever, whatever it is, or maybe, you know, the, but I really do believe just by having open conversations and connecting and hearing other stories, it it's just incredibly healing. Yeah, it's totally healing. And I think we're not taught how to deal with life struggles really especially if you have a family that is not strong on mental health and emotional intelligence so something will happen in your life and you don't really know how to deal with it i mean i had to those are things i had to learn how to how to argue like what does that mean to have an in-depth conversation with somebody like i didn't know how to do that like i had to learn because my parents would just yell at each other and that was my example of what it means to be in a disagreement so there's so many things that we learn from our family that's not necessarily healthy for ourselves. So it's it takes somebody that has courage like you that to say, the buck stops with me. Like I'm gonna create a shift in my life so that I could have children that are moving in a different direction. So it takes a lot of bravery and courage to be like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna break the cycle. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's also, I would say, um, there's some bravery and courage that I'm going to need to muster up pretty soon when I do publish this book, because it is so personal yeah. and it's raw. And I'm also talking about my family and worried about how they're going to react and yes, <laughs> but it's my truth. Yeah. Memoirs get, people get in their feelings about it because everyone has different memories. Like I don't remember most of my childhood under the age of 10 but I have two brothers and sometimes I'll have a memory and I'll talk to them about it but they have a completely different perspective and I'm just like whoa it's so crazy because for me that was a very traumatic moment and for them they were kind of like oh yeah that that happened and it didn't that's, phase them. that's very true and, it is yeah and that's so crazy for me because I'm just like oh my god that was like a big part of my life and you're for you it was nothing and right. that's where I feel like our where our emotions and our triggers lie it's definitely not the same so when you're when somebody says it's this is my story it truly is your story that's right i could be in that same situation and it didn't even phase me 
And so I always think it's so fascinating. That's why I think it's so important to hear people's stories because everyone's perspective is so personal and gives you a different, a different vantage point on how people are understanding and seeing the world. I agree with that. And I will say another side of that coin is that for me, coming from the writing aspect of writing about my mom or my grandfather or my brother or my dad or whoever I'm writing about, it really helps me see them as not flat characters. Right. 3D. And you realize, oh, my parents inherited trauma. This is where they're coming from. I, I'm able to look at them as a whole being and find compassion for them. That's exactly what I had to do with my parents because my for so many years, they were just like these dark figures that ruined my life. And I had to really think about it like they had their own trauma. And especially when I heard, when I asked more questions about their life growing up and what that meant, I was shocked and blown away that they had so much trauma that I didn't know about. Because when you're, when you're hurt and you're a kid, you're kind of like in your own world. And then when I started to see my parents as people, as individual people, separate from me as their child, just individual people, as if they were a client or a friend, so I had so much more compassion for them because I was like, oh, well, they did the best that they could. You know, and, they that's, had, and that's very freeing for you, right? Oh, that's very helpful to yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely freeing. And then I could have a, a, a relationship with them because I wasn't <laughs> so angry anymore. I was just like, eh, there are people like we're going through. So, and raising kids is hard, especially without grandparents and aunts and uncles and not having a community. Raising three kids in New York City or any city is just not. It's just hard. You raised three kids in New York City? My mom did. Oh, oh. I was like, wow. I would (laughs) can't do that. That seems hard, really. (laughs) No, after, because I'm the eldest of two. I have two little brothers, and they're eight years apart between me and the youngest, so I took care of him a lot. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why would anyone want to have three kids? It's way too (laughs) many kids. (laughs) It's just way too many. Um, But people do it. I mean, people have huge Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think if that's your gift and that's what you want to do, go for it. I think for me, it was like, I can't imagine that lifestyle, but you know, everyone has different choices, but either way, it took a lot of time for me to see that I wasn't a victim to my childhood. Like there was actually, it was a total, once I was able to shift my perspective and start to see my family from a, these are people that were all biologically linked. And at the same time, I created my family. Like I wanted the family that I always wanted, I created. Like I created that family. Like I wanted my mom to be a certain way. So I found a friend that's like my mom in a lot of ways. And I don't feel so deprived of like having that mommy. I could always go to certain people for that. And I also that also freed me to understand like my biological family isn't, I could create my own family too. It's like I'm not stuck with this, these four members. I could always expand and meet other people. Absolutely. Yeah, having a chosen family is also really powerful. Sometimes much more powerful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because it's um family is interesting. And I also feel like my family, at least for me, my perspective has always been like I have learned what what I needed to heal with my family, right? Because we have these generational traumas that you mentioned triggers that we mentioned that we that were there for whatever God wanted us to go through certain things and it's been interesting to see how much healing I've gotten like whenever I go meet my family again I'm like oh my god 
Yeah, that's still yeah, true. Yeah, but you're you're doing the work to, yeah. to heal just by having this podcast mm-hmm. alone. And I also think with age comes wisdom, right? Like at 25, you asked me, like, I don't think I could have I could have understood that I needed healing from generational trauma. I just needed, I just wanted something different. Mm-hmm. You wanted to feel different. You right. wanted to be different. I think that's always a right. motivation. Like you wanted a different type of family. Cause it means, right. I think we all have that dream of like what it feels like to be unconditionally loved and having the, a supportive family. And I'm sure your daughters are like so lucky to have you as a mom. Cause it's like, you've thank you. You know, because you've done the work. To have a mom that's done the work is a completely different experience than having. A well, mom. they also have a mom that like got her master's in education and and um, was a kindergarten teacher who like sang songs and <laughs> probably like, okay, mom, goodbye. We've got enough of you now. <laughs> <laughs> but a kindergarten teacher, I have to say, whenever whenever anyone tells me that they're a kindergarten teacher, for me, I'm like, you must have so much patience. It's so funny. Much patience. It's very, it's ironic because I definitely do with kids and with teaching, but I am a very impatient person. And I think with my husband, cause he's all, well, he's not gonna be happy to hear me say this, but he's always late, even though everyone knows. And we joke about it, but, um, I swear, you know, if you believe in many lives, many masters, I swear we are together to test my patience. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I um, I wanted to be a preschool teacher when I was in college. Like I had because I love kids, and then I went to volunteer at a preschool, and I was like, oh no, like I don't have patience <laughs> yes. for this. Like I really yeah. don't. It takes a special yeah. type of person. But you said you're organized, so definitely that helps. Like if you can get some organization and kids like that structure. But yes, yeah. Yeah, but then they're messy. <laughs> well, yeah, they are. Yeah. Kids are so very, messy. very much so. <laughs> I mean, and I look back to my childhood. I wasn't a messy kid, even as a kid. Not like, funny. I was always like, I'd have like the perfect, like, I, I used to tell, I told this to my friend. She was just like, you're definitely OCD. Like I would have my crayons, you know, the big 64 thing of crayons. I would dump them all out and then color coordinate them. <laughs> seven, you know, like, and then I would always cut the paper off and sharpen it. And I would get so mad if one got broken. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was that child. <laughs> so now that you're talking about families and, and your website's all about education and you're so vulnerable in your shares, um, so are people connecting to you for your stories? Are you sharing other people's stories or is it mainly coming from your point of view? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I began writing a few essays. The first essay I wrote was... Um, about Anthony Bourdain and my grandfather. This was like right when Anthony Bourdain passed away. And it was about what I wish I could have told them. And from there, I realized, you know what? I can just, I can create my own platform and put it on Medium. Medium's a great, um, it's like kind of like a social media blog and people can discover you that way. And from there, like I said, I was asked to be on some podcasts and people were coming out of the woodwork and, and talking to me about their family stories. And I realized it was very, it was so wonderful to share my story that it, it, it opened other people up to come to me. Why don't I begin sharing other people's stories? And I created a podcast called dear family. My brother was episode number one. My brother 
is two years younger than me. He was undiagnosed ADHD and also grew up in a household where there was, you know, some chaos with my mom and she quote unquote moved us to the, you know, wrong side of the tracks and didn't make great choices and, um, was self-medicating and my brother was getting into trouble as well and cut to, because he was never diagnosed. Although he, he was the boy who was the, every girl call, was calling him. He was the football, the, um, high school quarterback at, you know, scholar athlete, so smart, but getting into trouble. And not until he, believe it or not, got to law school, did he discover a crystal meth, which was a street drug. And that is basically, in some ways, a form of what you would give to someone that has ADHD. It's It helps them focus, right? It's yeah. speed. Um, and he found this drug that he thought, oh my gosh, this is, you know, going to help me become productive productive and get everything done and focus and cut to, he became homeless. He was living out of his car. His car was repossessed. Great story. Episode number one, he's sober. Now he's successful, a very successful guy, um, has a motorcycle and clothing company called Jane motorcycles. And in Brooklyn, he's married. He's his business continues to expand and do so well, but that was, that was just episode number one. And it was so amazing because it's called Dear Family. And I got to interview my brother from episode one to 50 were sometimes personal stories of my own that I would also share as a blog or other inspirational people, not necessarily family, mm-hmm. New York Times bestsellers, professors, all, you, it ran the gamut of people that had stories that overcame mental health issues. Yeah and could offer inspiration or it was related. My, my individual podcasts were related to personal anecdotes or personal essays or personal articles that have to do with family or parenting and cut to episode 50 was right after my mom during the pandemic ended up in a mental health hospital. And I always wanted her to be to let me interview her, but she didn't want to, she didn't think she was interesting, which is absolutely not true. Cause she is one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. And when she came out, thankfully she was, I would say she got adjusted again and she allowed me to interview her. And that was episode 50. And that's been, that was one of the most incredible moments and so special to get to where we were. And, and then And so now I am on episode, I don't know, 86, 87, Mm -hmm. and it continues to be such an amazing journey for me to meet such interesting people, get to know them, be able to share their voice and learn from them. It's, I I call it my like personal graduate school that I get to share with others. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, totally. I mean, hearing people's stories is so powerful, um, and especially around love and what it means to love and be loved and share love. And family is, for many of us, the beginning of what love is and what love isn't. You know, for me growing up around my family, I was deprived of love. I, I mean, I, I, in my small child mind, my parents would never, would always say that they loved me and 
et cetera, et cetera. My brothers too, but that wasn't my perception. So it was interesting. Like I built my whole life based on what I felt like I didn't have as a kid. And so now I'm really grateful for that, right? Because you're like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I had that childhood because I am the person I am right now because of it. And um, one thing I wanted to mention about your brother, because I was um, diagnosed as ADHD, and then I read this article as an, as an adult later on saying that a lot of times kids that were born in traumatic childhood, had traumatic childhoods, develop ADHD as a protective mechanism. And I just wonder if with the people that you spoke to, if you feel like that's kind of true, or if you had experiences with that? Well, I definitely think with mental health issues, and, and I just want to say I am not a psychiatrist. So, you know, this is just my own personal research, but a lot of mental health issues are triggered from trauma. Mm -hmm. And Adam had some traumas, and um, I'm sure that, that it did not help. But I also think biology is biology in that my dad had a second family and my half-brother had ADHD. Interesting. And then my dad now says he thinks he had ADHD and he's a my dad's a criminal defense attorney for over 50 years. And I was like, what? You did? So, you know, I don't know if it's like the boys all could have grown out of it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think, especially like with something like bipolar, I do think that my mom's bipolar probably was triggered earlier than she may have developed it when she, my mom was just 14 when she discovered her own mom had overdosed on pills and alcohol. Yeah. And it's so incredibly tragic. I can't even imagine. I have a 16 year old. I can't imagine them finding me, you know, that what a, an awful, a awful moment. And actually, I mean, to make it even more kind of full circle and, and, and just, I don't know, cinematic, if you were to call it such a thing, but my, it was the first day my mom got her period. My mom went in to oh, go find her mom. No. Her, her mom called it the curse. So she went in to go and say, mom, I got the curse. And I mean, so, but, you know, just talk about trauma. Um, so yeah, my mom said that she thinks that like, that was the day she can almost pinpoint the day that she began and having, you get, and you get your period every month. Right, right, exactly. So the Never the post traumatic stress of that, right? <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, there is a there is a biological, um, like there, we get stuff genetic. So there is a genetic component. And my mom mentioned her hyperness when she was young, and so, but she also had a traumatic childhood. Her mom died when she was seven, giving birth to her brother. Oh wow! And so she had this crazy childhood what she told me about which make so when she told when she tells me her story her behavior as an adult or even now totally makes sense because she hasn't had the opportunity to really work through her problems with a, a mental health professional coaches spiritual coaches mentors whatever like she has let alone she didn't have a mother right, right? yeah right. yeah so, so. Um, you know when you understand where people come from it gives you so much more compassion to who they are and what Completely. they're doing in their lives and the choices that they make. And I honestly feel like every single person's walking around with pain that they haven't dealt with, that they haven't wanted to deal with. And then it manifests in weird ways, you know, road rage, bickering, angry, saying something mean, like there's so much 
nastiness that people put out in the world. And I think 100% of that is because they're in pain. That's right. right. And they're just kind of spreading it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I try to tell my daughters that like, if somebody acts a certain way that is feels very hurtful or harmful, chances are don't take it personally. It probably has nothing to do with you. It's, it's their own, whatever they're dealing with. And, you know, and and you'll see it, you'll be standing in line at the grocery store and the person in front of you is being rude to the checkout person. And it's like, it's not the checkout person. (laughs) It's you that needs to deal with whatever anger, whatever you're dealing, processing, Right. Taking responsibility and ownership yeah. of your emotional spaces. I think that's, I feel like that's a key for being an adult. Like, yeah. I feel yeah. like I truly. That's learned, right? That's, that's not. Learned. Yeah. yeah. And some people never learn that. So that's I think, right. I think the moment I was like, okay, I'm taking full responsibility for my emotions and how they affect others really started to make me feel like I was an adult. <laughs> Absolutely. Children just spew because they're kids. And right. I think it's, um, and adults do too. Like, I mean, there are plenty of adults we can name that do that. Yes. Um, I think I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the infinite love questions. Um, right. So how do you express love in your work? So I think I express love in my work through my vulnerability and my honesty and my openness and my willingness to just kind of like show whether it's like a few people or the world, just who I am and not hold back and be open so that, right. It's, it's like a law of attraction, I give love. Maybe you give love back to me. I hope so. If I'm honest and open with you, maybe it opens you to be honest with me. So just the idea of openness Mm -hmm. and, and honesty and vulnerability and sharing and, and talking and writing and podcasting and just being again, openness. Yeah. I love that. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Well, definitely in family, right? And you mentioned how our family is, you know, the first place that we give, give love. Well, our family is the first pla- like, place we receive love, but it's also often our first heartache, our first heartbreak. Yeah. And divorces and step parents and things, you know, there was no manual back then, not necessarily, I'm sure there's probably a manual now, but, or maybe (laughs) there was back then, but they didn't read it. And there was a lot of hurt feelings and a lot. And I decided a long time ago to forgive step, some step parents and for some things that were said and done and cut to now for example, a Thanksgiving, everyone can get together. We can all have fun because had I not, had I held on to that, that would have hurt me. I realized a long time ago, and I, I also credit my mom for this, that family is so important to hold on to, to a few things. I mean, unless of course it's like I understand if somebody needs to cut a family member out for whatever to protect themselves, but to hold on to some past hurt when you can work towards, you know, you don't have to necessarily forget, but to forgive is freeing for yourself. And 
tell me the question again, because I feel like I'm going on a tangent. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Okay. So I would say also that I for, I've forgiven myself for judging my mom and being so harsh on my parents as we sometimes are, because I realized that it was my coping mechanism. It was my way to handle everything that felt too much or that I wanted to push aside. Now I understand, and this took writing, this took a lot of self-examination that it's okay. Cause I look back and I feel guilty and I feel, I feel bad for some of the ways I may have acted and I forgive myself. I also, um, I forgive my mom. I think number one, biggest one, because a lot of what she did came because she was mentally ill. Bipolar is a true disorder. She couldn't just pull herself up from her bootstraps. She couldn't just stop acting crazy. And I I make quote signs. Um, And understanding that just made me forgive almost everything she did and, and opened our relationship up to being so, again, this is a podcast about love, about loving. She knew I wasn't judging her anymore. And that that's a, a gift to both of us. Yeah. And it wouldn't have happened if you didn't create that forgiveness for yourself. If you were holding on to the anger, then she wouldn't have been able to heal as well. So by forgiving yourself, you also was allowing the space so your mom can actually start to forgive the forgiveness for her part. Right. Situation. Right. And for her to forgive me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so powerful. I think forgiveness in, in terms of family, it's huge. Like I have to always remember that just if, if I want to have a good relationship with any members of my family, it's just to forgive them. Right. And then, and then your, your heart is more open and, and you're, you'll be able to attract more love from them and more openness and understanding and dialogue. And that will continue to like lift you higher right together right right and you can actually start to have conversations and and you're not so triggered i think that's another thing about being so triggered with family members because if you're holding on to that anger they could say anything and all of a sudden you're like back to when you're a kid i know before i did the deep forgiveness work with my mom like talking to her it was like i was 14 again i was like oh my god why do i feel like oh yeah oh believe me i mean if you if anyone does happen to listen to episode 50 you'll hear my mom and i get into an argument i mean you know i'll go right back to that 14 year old exactly yeah it's so yeah instinctual you're like oh i'm back and i'm like wait a minute i'm an adult like i don't exactly exactly i don't have to respond this way and so the third question is, what's the most compassionate act someone has done for you? Well, I know I'm talking a lot about my mom, but it's probably my mom allowing me to share her story mm-hmm. and to write about her. When she first found out, she thought I was just writing about my grandfather and finishing his story and didn't realize that I was really also writing my own story, which would mean her story because she's the link. Right. And she was upset and she was, you know, and it pushed her to the point of like a little bit of mania. And her third husband, Dan was saying, you know, your mom's not happy. And I thought, Oh, oh I'm not going to be able to do this. 
and, and share this. Cause I, I, again, like I said, I don't, I didn't want to be the person to push my mom, you know, either completely away from me, even though there were times I did need her away from me. Um, or like I said, into a mental hospital or God forbid suicide, suicide. And after a while she came back to me and she, she had read one of my articles and she said, you know what, Rachel, if my story can help somebody else, then I'm so happy that you are doing this and you're doing what I always wanted to do. And I, what a beautiful, compassionate thing to give. Like we keep talking about gifts, but that was a true gift. Her blessing was like the best thing I could have ever asked for. And that was so nice of her because she understood that I needed this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. A third question, is, a fourth question is, what do you love most about your life? I feel so grateful to have my chosen family and my blood family. And my chosen family are an incredible group of friends, especially a group of girlfriends that, as we know, are often like, the most important rocks and not, there's nothing better than laughing and, and being with friends and, and just, it helps you just drop back into yourself and get out of your head and get, and, and just be, and I just got to experience a weekend with some girlfriends and it's amazing how girlfriends can just lift you up and, and the importance of friendship. And they do feel to me like family chosen family that I will rely on for the rest of my life and, and to celebrate them and their families and their kids and the blessings. It's just, there's nothing better than, than, than that, honestly. And then also my own, my, my own family, the family I've created, my, my beautiful daughter's bring me so much love. Now granted they're teenagers. So they also, you know, we can't tell, but they bring me gray hair. Um, (laughs) and, and then I, I'm, I'm so grateful to have a husband that still makes me laugh, you know, and, and that I, I have fun being with, because I realize that's not always the case. We're both aging together. That's a whole interesting thing. And, you know, those fairy tales you have when you're, young and you get married and, you know, things definitely change, but that companionship, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm grateful to have somebody that I can turn to. And I, I realize that life is, you know, it's fluid and, and I just, I have to appreciate being in the moment. And, and I'm also so lucky still at this moment to have both my parents alive and, I, I don't, I'm not taking anything for granted anymore. And I think that that's one of the things that really writing and podcasting and talking about it is that you realize like family, your situation, your friendship, where you are, it's not, it's not promised. So when you are with your love loved ones, be present, be grateful, be open. And so did that answer the question? Beautiful, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And how do you feel you receive love? You know, I, I definitely think I am a giver. I am always inviting people over. I love to cook. I love to entertain. I, I want to make people feel good. Um, I'm, 
always looking out for others and thinking of others, but I also am able to receive it. But there are times, you know, even getting a compliment where I'll just want to, oh, thank you. Let's talk about you or, yeah. you know, or, or something like that. And, and that's one of the things that I, I need to take in and, and be better at. Um, but as far as receiving love, I, I, I'm very good at receiving love. I think I, I, um, and that's probably because I, I continue to open my heart up and, and understand the idea of vulnerability to the idea. If, if something's not right, I, I will call somebody and say like, let's, let's talk. I, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that will push things down. I, I want to, to get to a point where there's a lot of love with yeah. between anyone. I, I, I'm that way. Yeah. I love that. And then lastly, where has love created a miracle in your life? Well, I mean, this sounds so cliche, but I suppose my, my daughters, right? My husband and I falling in love and, and creating um, a family with two girls that both born in September, both have the same parents, so different, um, but just the, the joy that they bring and that they continue to bring. And, and now like having a daughters that are like so much more independent and then the relationships that I'm continuing to build with them and seeing things through their eyes and, and understanding that they are their own people, but how, but that I really enjoy spending time with them. Like it, to me, that's a miracle <laughs> to have, have teenage daughters that I love spending time with. <laughs> yeah, that is a miracle. Cause I, I feel like I run away from most teenagers. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, believe me, they run away from me and there are times I run away from them, but yeah. Yes. Overall, you guys sound yes. like you guys are friends. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. How can people connect with your work, with your memoir? Well, thank you so much for having me. I loved this conversation. Yes. You can find me at my website, which is right now, Rachel, that's right with a W. And it's right now, Rachel.com, or I'm on all the social media platforms at right now, Rachel. And again, that's with a W and my podcast is called dear family. And it's also on all the platforms, Spotify, whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. Um, I would love if you're interested for you to visit my website and just uh, sign up for the newsletter so that when my memoir, which is called inherited comes out, um, you'll learn more about it and reach out to me with any questions. I'd love to hear from you. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am sending you so much love. Thank you. Sending you so much love. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.